It was just a normal Monday morning. Kids rushing off to school, a couple of them late, rushing to get into school, everybody ready, maybe fixing their lunches. Just a normal, regular old Monday morning. But a 28-year-old with some guns shot through locked glass doors and took a normal, innocent, typical Monday morning in a little ner- in a preschool that's a, from a sister church of ours in Nashville just this past Monday and turned the, a preschool, not that different from ours, into a, a crime scene. Three nine-year-olds lost their lives, and three adults lost their lives, and, and then the shooter lost their life. Now, the response to that tragedy was pretty predictable. Um, there were lots of tears, lots of sadness, lots of discussion about whose fault. Was it too many guns, not enough guns, not enough checks, too many checks? And I'm I don't want to have an argument with you about politics. It's possible to know, I think for most of us, when you heard the news, you thought, oh, gosh, another shooting. And even though that there's an inevitability in our society that there's going to be violence and an inevitability that there's going to be sorrow, it doesn't mean there aren't tears when it happens. It doesn't mean that we're not broken by it. We're not saddened by it. So just a moment when we pray, I want to pray for our sister church that's gathered together in that that very campus this week to worship God and to get ready for Easter. But there's there's an interesting correlation between what happened Monday when everybody was watching the news and what happened... Here, I'll try to keep this on. and And what happened... Uh, what happened so long ago on Palm Sunday. Because, as you know, Palm Sunday is an amazing time, and we usually talk about the triumphant entry, that Jesus comes into Jerusalem and all of his followers and disciples and people that were just hanger-ons even just got got caught up in the moment of it. And it was just an exciting celebration and they yelled, and they cheered, and they, they, they threw out their coats, and they threw leaves, palm branches, and what a celebration. But as they're celebrating, Jesus comes down, and he sees Jerusalem. And in the middle of the celebration on this side, you see Jesus, and he's weeping for Jerusalem. And so this morning... I want us to think a little bit about that scene. And I want us to think about how Jesus wept. And what made him weep, what would make him weep today. And maybe we might, we might in this church, in this time, in this very place, have the same flaws in us that caused him to weep as he looked at Jerusalem 2,000 years ago. But before we talk about him, and before we talk 
And we, before we look at his word, let's talk to him and let's pray together. And let's also pray for our sister church in Nashville, especially. Let's pray. Father, we do pray for our brothers and sisters in Nashville as they gather in a church much like this. Father, I pray that you would give them a sense of hope in the midst of despair. I pray that you give them a sense of life in the memories of death. I pray that you would give them a sense of your presence in a time that seems so dark. Father, um, in our service this morning, I pray you would meet us here. Father, you know every person in this room. You know the couples that fought on their way here. You know the kids that are kind of discouraged and don't really want to be here and feel forced. Oh, you know the people that got bad news from doctors this week. Well, well, you know us all. And so as you meet us this morning, would you transform us by your word? Would you change us? Would, you, we, would we not just merely be observers in your grand story of glory, but would you allow us to, to see and taste and participate? Father, for the people that are in this room that are too comfortable, would you use this time to disrupt them? For the people that are disrupted, would you use this time of comfort? And for all of us, for your great purposes and glory, would you equip us? We pray this in the powerful name of Jesus. Amen. You know the story. It's the last week of Jesus' life, well, before the resurrection. And he's, he's coming into Jerusalem, the city that 32 and a, half, a little over, almost 33 years before he, he was in Jerusalem, uh, that he, was, he was brought there by his, by his parents. And then about 20 years earlier from this moment, he was there teaching in the temple. Oh, Jerusalem. And so now Jesus is reentering Jerusalem knowing that it's his last week, knowing how this story ends, and he sees the crowd, and he hears the cheers, and he weeps. Well, not my words. Let's listen to the word of God as it speaks about this. I'm going to read from Luke 19. You're not going to see the first part that I'm going to read, but the part about him weeping will come up in just a moment. If you can and are able, would you stand while we read the word of God? Start in verse 37 of chapter 19 of Luke, and it says this As he was drawing near, already on the way down from the Mount of Olives, the whole multitude of the disciples began to rejoice and praise God with loud voices for the mighty works that they had seen, saying, Blessed is the King who comes in the name of the Lord. Peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And then some of the Pharisees in the crowd said to him, Teacher, rebuke your disciples. He answered, I tell you, if, I, if these were silent, the very rocks would cry out. And then chapter, same chapter, verse 41. 
And when he drew near and saw the city, he wept over it, saying, Would that you, even you, had known on this day the things that might make for peace. But now they are hidden from your eyes. For the days will come upon you when your enemies will set up a barricade around you and surround you and hem you in on every side and tear you down to the ground, you and your children with you. And they will not leave one stone upon another because you did not know the time of your visitation. May God bless the reading of his holy word. You can be seated. If we're going to become more like Jesus, we ought to weep at the things he would weep at. We ought to laugh at the things he would laugh at. We're going to be more like Jesus. So we're going to spend a few minutes thinking about what was he weeping about. But before we do, I want to just go off on a little bit of a rabbit trail if I could. I love the part of this passage where everybody's cheering. And the Pharisees think, this is a goat rodeo. This is getting out of control. And the Pharisees say, um, hey, hey, Jesus, Mr. Teacher, this is a little bit out of control. Would you shut your people up? You kind of get the idea? And I love what Jesus says next. He says, essentially, I could shut them up. But I could make the rocks sing my praises. Now, I want you to hear this. I want you to hear this really clearly. Jesus doesn't need you. The rocks could sing his praises. Jesus didn't save you to use you. He saved you because he loves you. Jesus didn't save you because he's in a broken down Chevy 10 miles outside of town needing your gas money. He's the sovereign God of the universe. He saved you not to use you. He saved you because he loves you. And that's important, you know. Now, that doesn't mean you don't have important tasks to do on this side of heaven. But you don't do that. You weren't chosen because of how talented you are and how gifted you are. You were chosen because he loves you. And he chose you. And you belong to him. And because he wants you to have a life that matters, he then gives you things to do in his kingdom. And I want you to know, he could reach this universe with rocks. He could redeem this world without any of us because he's a sovereign God who redeems. And he's chosen you not because he needs you, but because he wants you and that he loves you. And the tasks that you're to do aren't earning your place anywhere. The task you're to take seriously, the, 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 the way that, that God has invited you to live your life in such a way that echoes into eternity because he knows that on your deathbed you'll wonder, did it all matter? And he'll wink and say, yes, because you are mine and I let you do things that mattered for my kingdom. He didn't save you to use you. He could get rocks to do his work. He saved you because he loves you. Don't ever forget. Sometimes to get people to do stuff in church, we try to make them feel guilty. We have work days, and we should have work days, and you should come and work. But a really good guilt-ridden sermon could get almost everybody here. <laughs> but he didn't save you because he needs somebody to come on work day. 
He didn't save you because he needs your tithe money. He saved you because he loves you. Don't ever forget it. When those Pharisees said, get your people to quit their making their noise. Tell them to shut up. I could get the rocks to sing my praises. Don't ever forget who it is who's called you. We serve a mighty, sovereign, holy and righteous, powerful, loving and gracious God. Thanks for letting me go on that little side note. Now let's go back and let's see what we can learn about the text. So you get the scene, right? It's a wild scene. People are cheering. It's such a wild scene that the authorities are saying, this is getting out of control. And and what you think should happen is Jesus should be kind of going, this is kind of cool. It's kind of neat to listen to all this. Maybe they're getting it. I mean, they're saying the right things. But no, he knows what's about to happen. As he sees Jerusalem below him, the city of peace, he knows their future, he knows that they've missed peace, and he knows they've missed the visitation of Jesus, he weeps. Now there may be a lot of reasons Jesus weeps here, but it's a different word than used. Now, do you know that Jesus died, wept when Lazarus died? As a matter of fact, every junior high person who has to memorize a verse in the Bible will always pick Jesus wept, the shortest verse. It's easy to memorize. <laughs> that's a different Greek word, though, for, for weep than that's used here. That's more of a Jesus shed a tear. Uh, this word that's used for weep is that he... That, that he wept, that, that he, he sobbed, he grieved over Jerusalem. And so, what would make our Savior weep? You know, it's really, what's amazing about God is that he contains within him things that we sometimes think are contradictory, like his grace and his holiness. But his sovereignty and his compassion Sometimes that's hard for us to put together, that he's still sovereign, but in that sovereignty, he's also compassionate. We kind of think he's like a stuffy old Calvinist that falls down a set of stairs and thanks God that it's over. That was a little bit of a theology joke that wasn't very funny, clearly. <laughs> and, and sometimes, sometimes because you know, because you're sovereign, you sometimes think, well, is there compassion and there's always compassion and there's always a sovereignty in God. That those don't contradict one another. That just because nothing goes through your life that doesn't pass through nail-scarred hands doesn't mean that there's not sorrow or compassion or awareness of the pain that you're going through. His sovereignty does not contradict his compassion. And you see that here. First thing I would suggest he's weeping over is the fickle nature of humanity. We are a fickle and stubborn group. As a matter of fact, what's taking place in this microcosm of the week, of Holy Week, is really what's taking place over 
and over again in the Old Testament, and over and over again since then. It's people initially repent or possibly believe or get interested, and then they get distracted, and then they turn away, and it, it, it happened over and over in the Old Testament. They believe, they forget, they rebel, there's punishment, a few repent, those that repent start that same process that happens over and over and over again. And that same thing is about to happen in the space of a week. They're coming down into Jerusalem and everybody's cheering and going, yes, yes, it's Jesus. But those same people, three days, four days later, will say, crucify him. You know, I like to sometimes think when I read the Bible that I would be like Peter or that I'd be one of the disciples. But you know, that's not true. I'd have been one of the people in the crowd yelling, yay, Jesus, on Sunday and crucify him by the end of the week. And you know what? Most of you would have been the same. I think one of the reasons Jesus is weeping is the fickle and stubborn nature of humanity. How, how often, how quickly we forget, how quickly we move on, how quickly we put away, how often our vows mean so very little, and our words sometimes lose their meaning before they're even heard by everyone. So I think the first thing I would suggest that Jesus is weeping over is the fickle nature of humanity. Because he's seen in that very moment that stubborn, independent, I'll take it, I'll trust my way. At the end of the day, almost all sin is born out of the idea that God's not good. And I'll trust, I won't trust him, I'll trust me. And so we start, when there's some blessings and talk about how good he is, but as soon as things get difficult, or as soon as we get distracted, or as soon as, well, as soon as the calendar goes one or two more days, we, we forget, and, and we're fickle, and we go on and try to figure it out all on ourselves. So I would guess that would be the first thing that Jesus might be weeping over, since that's what's literally taking place in that moment. Second thing I think that he's weeping over is he's weeping over what they have missed in terms of peace. I mean, Jerusalem is called the city of peace. He is the prince of peace. And, and I think he's weeping over what the people have missed that he has offered. I think when he looks at you and I, and he sees my, he sees my continual struggle with anxiety, or he sees my continual uh, over-concern with with whether, uh, with, with, uh, whether I'll be appreciated or liked or, well, you have those as well. And when I see that, I think Jesus weeps as he looks at that in my life and says, oh, I'm weeping because I have offered peace and you still struggle sleeping at night because you worry. You've not taken the Prince of Peace at his word 
You're not taking what the Prince of Peace offers. So the first thing he's weeping over the fickle nature of people. I think he's, he's weeping over what the people didn't experience that he offers. Next, I think he's weeping over the punishment that's coming. You see, um, well, let's, let's look at it in the text and I think you'll understand. First, would you have even, even you had known on this day the things that might bring peace? So he was weeping over the fact that he didn't understand the peace that Jesus brought. But now they're hidden from your eyes. For the days will come when your enemies will set up barricades around you and surround you and hem you on every side and tear down, tear you down to the ground, you and your children within you. And they will leave not one stone upon another. Because in seven, in, before 70 years, Jerusalem will be destroyed. Matter of fact, uh, some historians will not, will talk about the second Holocaust. They'll talk about the first, they'll, they'll talk about the Holocaust that took place in World War II, uh, the killing of the Jews and during World War II as the second Holocaust because they would often refer to this that's about to take place in Jerusalem as the first Holocaust. Thousands of Jews were killed. The temple was destroyed. And so the second thing, well, I guess the third thing that I think Jesus is weeping over, not only the fickle nature of humanity, not only the peace that was offered that they didn't take advantage of, but the, he's weeping over the coming punishment for their rebellion. Because he knows what's going to happen. Oh, as, as, he's marching, as they're marching into the city, he knows that his week ends on a cross. Well, that's not true. His, his, his week ends in glory again, but there will be a cross before the end of that, in the middle of that week. So not only is he weeping over the fickle nature of humanity, not only over the, the blessings and the peace and the good gifts that God offered them that they didn't take. He's also weeping over the fact that they will, weeping over the fact that they will, um, there will be punishment. The fourth thing I think he's weeping over is the fact that they missed his visitation. They missed the fact that it was Jesus that was there. They missed the moment I mean, this is the, one of the most amazing moments in history, and they don't realize who it is that's visiting them. You know, it's really, it's really easy to think about, you know, I think Jesus would weep over our culture, or I think Jesus would weep over our country, or I think Jesus would weep over my neighbor. But I think Jesus would weep over me. And you. I think part of the reason he would weep over you and I is that we don't allow his peace to be in our hearts and we 
And we don't really think that there's judgment for wrongdoing. And but I think mostly he would weep over the fact that we're sometimes not aware of his visitation. Do you realize? Do you realize the Bible teaches that the Spirit of God is in this room? Do you, do, I mean, do you realize that? Do you realize that the Bible teaches this, the idea that the very presence of God is here because it said, when two or more are gathered in his name, he is there. Do you, do you realize his visitation? Do you realize Paul, over and over again in his letters, was enamored by the idea that, that Jesus lives in us, that, that he is in us? I mean, are, are you aware that the same thing he was crying for that day, that these people missed the point of who their visitor was. That visitor that's weeping on the hillside as they're coming into Jerusalem is the king of the universe, it's Jesus, and they don't realize who's visiting them. And you and I sit here, and we barely sing our songs, and we sleep through the sermons, wake up, it's almost over. And, 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 and could it be, could it be that we're missing his visitation? I mean, could it be that he would be weeping over us the same way he did that day over Jerusalem because we missed the point? He's here. He's here. I mean, I think if, I, I, I think if Josh Heupel came in here, we'd be excited. I think we'd go, there I think if any politician, even if you disagreed with him, came in, we'd probably go, there's so-and-so. The God of the universe, Jesus, visits in here. And we, and we just sit. And he weeps. Sometimes we cheer. He weeps. Because he wants to know you. He wants you to be aware of his presence. He wants you to be aware of, of the peace that he offers. He wants you to be aware of the protection from the consequences of your sin that he offers. So, this morning on this Palm Sunday, as we're stepping into the most important week of the church calendar for Christians. All week long, would you, um, would you go through the week thinking about what Jesus was doing at that day? Go through each day uh, thinking about the, the, where he was and where his disciples were going and what they were doing and, and what they were thinking. Come tonight and listen to Chris Piper. He's going to preach tonight. He's and it's really going to be really informal. We just kind of sit down here together, and, and we're going to be talking about the last words of Jesus on the cross. Think about what he was saying to us. Think about what was taking place. Don't miss the visitation of Jesus. I think it's personal. And so he weeps. Come to the services. 
this week as you anticipate celebrating next Sunday. As we come around, come to next week as, as living stones, rocks that sing of his glory of a risen king because of our hope and a God who came offers you peace, protects you from, from the consequences of sin, visits you and has present with you. What a beautiful, beautiful gift he offers us. As he would be going through this week aware of the persecution and the betrayal the pain and the sorrow. So much, though, that he says to the Father, is there any way to do this without going through the cross? But not my way, will, but your will be done. And God's will was done. And because it was, you can have the compassionate look of Jesus Christ with tears in his eyes be present in your life. think about this this week. Let this go deep inside your soul. Be transformed by a present God who died on a cross to redeem you and bring you unto himself. And he didn't do that because he needed you. He did that because he loves you.